and we rejoice to be gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How good it is to, to be here and sing his praises uh, and to open God's word together and also just to speak the truth in love to, to one another, to, to serve each other in, in that form and fashion. A few announcements, in fact, more than a few. This, this morning there are a number of things we need to highlight uh, that we want our church family to be aware of. Uh, the first one, uh, I'm just going to flip through the bulletin here real quick, which is very, very, very full. Uh, and in there, maybe we should have color-coded some of this stuff, uh, but in there, there's a, a small piece of paper that looks like this, and it says, Nomination of Officers. Uh, it is that time of the year again. Uh, where we need to be nominating uh, individuals within our church family for different office positions within the church. Uh, some of those office positions that could use a little bit of filling is, are the deacons, uh, the trustees, uh, deaconesses, uh, and also a Sunday school superintendent. We have not had a Sunday, Sunday school superintendent other than me for a couple of years. Uh, and so if you want someone different... <laughs> <clears throat> but that's, that's what that is in there. And we're asking that you would please look that over. Please think about the church family. Read Acts 6. Read 1 Timothy 3. Read Titus. Uh, and different passages in the scripture that talk about uh, leadership qualifications within the church. Read that. Think on that. Pray on that. See who the Lord brings to your mind. And if there's individuals you would like to nominate for those positions, then uh, please fill this out and return it either to myself or Josiah or to Gina, okay, our, our, son, our, our secretary Gina. Uh, and we're, we're doing that, again, just, just to kind of refresh your memory with that. Remember in Acts chapter 6, when they choose the first deacons, remember how they do that? It says, choose the men who are among you, right? And it says, for the church, for among us. And so it's, it's a great privilege, great responsibility of the church, uh, to be nominating uh, those who the Lord would have to be leading in his church. So please be, be praying about that. Second announcement is this Saturday. It's coming up, coming up rapidly, but this Saturday is the, uh, celebrating the, the faithfulness of God through uh, Pastor Dan and Sharon. Uh, so we're looking forward to this Saturday. Please, please make that a day to be here and just to rejoice. Uh, in the Lord with them. Scripture says rejoice to those who rejoice, right? Maybe you'll be weeping too. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully Pastor Dan and, and Sharon, if, if they're weeping, it's weeping out of joy, right? Uh, but we're super thankful for them and their many, many years of faithfully serving the Lord here. Uh, and so please, please be here Saturday uh, for, for that day. The following Saturday, we're, we're taking up a lot of your Saturdays, uh, the following Saturday is our marriage retreat. We've been announcing that right along. Uh, but we're excited to be having that. Uh, so that's, that's a week from this Saturday. That's free to anyone and everyone. We're having Ron and Dr. Ron and Sherry Alchin will be with us, who I've been telling you between them have over 100,000 hours of, of counseling between them. That's impressive. That's rare. They, they've been at it for over 50 years, uh, and they, they often counsel all day, almost every day. Uh, just, just some great people. They're going to be here to talk about... Uh, a few things about marriage, communication. Everyone's marriage needs help with communication. Mine does, yours does. Same thing with conflict. My marriage has conflict. So does your marriage. And it's also going to be talking about cultivating romance. Every marriage can improve in romance. Mine can, yours can. Uh, so it's a great day to, to be here and just, there'll be lots of downtime, uh, lots of time to, to think through some things and talk about things. Also, it'll be very interactive. 
Uh, so it should be a fun day. Uh, at, at later in the night, I'm trying to remember through the schedule in my mind real quick, at 6.30, we're offering a catered candlelight dinner that will be here at the church for all who come. And also at 8 o'clock, there's a surprise date event, a date I don't know what to call it other than a, a surprise. I don't, want, I don't want to tell you what it is. I don't want to steal the fun from it. Uh, but at 8 o'clock, there'll be a fun date event. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Uh, but that, that will be here on the 26th. So please, please plan on that. You have a week to decide. But the sooner we know, the better, because we got to be ordering the food and, and getting all that stuff set up and ready. Uh, and then on the 27th, the day right after that, uh, Dr. Ron Alchin will be preaching here. And then October. October is coming up quickly. And you need to know for the month of October, that's when the time change happens. And I'm not talking about fall back, like as in the hour goes back. I'm talking about our service times are changing. Uh, so in October, we're firing back up Sunday school. And that will start at 9.30. That will go from 9.30 to 10.15. And then the morning service will be 10.30. And I'm not telling you when that ends. <laughs> But it will start at 10.30 uh, on Sunday. Some of you are laughing. Some of you are like, what are you thinking, man? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, I, have I told you the joke that my dad used to always do? He would take his watch off just before he would preach, and he'd put it on the pulpit right there, and he'd say, that means absolutely nothing. <laughs> Uh, but that's, that's coming up in October. Uh, and initially, Sunday school, we're just going to have everyone combined. We're just going to be having one Sunday school class. We'll have families together. Uh, we're not going to be having individual classes yet. We do hope to start that soon after that. But for the month of October, it's Missions Month emphasis. Yes, we've been announcing this. And so we're going to have a lot of missionaries coming. In fact, we'll have Ken Floyd here that first Sunday in October. He's the head of the MARBC. He'll be here with his wife, Sharon, and we're excited to have them here to, to kind of update us on, on the MARBC. And the, I know we love our acronyms. MARBC stands for the Michigan Association of Regular Baptist Churches. How's that for a mouthful? Uh, they are in the process of changing that name, uh, but, but he'll be here <clears throat> to kick that off. Through the month of October, uh, what we are asking is, we're, is that we're going to be doing a, a special offering. And what we want to do is at the end of October, all the money that, that you give towards the missionaries, we're going to split that up or divvy that up equally between all the missionaries and make that a gift for them uh, for this year. Uh, so do please be planning along those lines also. Also in regards to October and the, and the Missions Emphasis Month is the Missionary Cupboard. Uh, Joanne and Doris work hard on that, and that's, that's back there to my left, that's your right. Uh, near the near the church office, uh, but there's that little box there. It has all sorts of things, gifts that you could please purchase for our missionaries, and they'll they'll go to the missionary cupboard and they take what they need. Uh, it's a great way just to serve them and love them. So so please take advantage of that. Please please fill that cupboard up. Keep Joanne and Doris very very busy. <laughs> uh, I know lots of announcements. This was in my box. Uh, this is from the family of Daryl Daryl Bowers. Uh, says, Dear Church family, we deeply appreciate your expression of sympathy. The flowers you sent for Daryl's service were beautiful, and she would have loved them. You loved her well in life, and you reflected Christ as you, as you supported us in our loss. Thank you for the prayer, support, and for your presence with us. Again, that's in Christ, the family of Daryl Bores. Uh, so thank you for that church family, for loving her and serving her. Uh, 
I, I would like you to know too that I, I got a, I don't think Jason will mind me sharing this real quick. Uh, I got a prayer request from Jason yesterday uh, that his uh, uh, Connor Mert, am I saying that right? Uh, which is a stepsister to Jason Collier's kids, tragically, tragically died yesterday. Uh, so do be praying for Jason and family uh, for the Lord's guidance and Lord's shepherding through that. I also just want to mention, you know, the month of September is Suicide Awareness Month. And I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't stand up here as a pastor and say, look, if, if that's you, if that's a struggle that you're having, if you're discouraged, if you're depressed, and we're glad you're here, we love you, please talk to me, talk to one of us. Uh, Jesus came that we might have life, and life abundant, and that, that life uh, can and can be yours. And, and we want to help you, we want to love you, we want to serve you. Uh, Lots of people struggle with, with different levels of that. You're not alone. Uh, you belong here and we're thankful for you. And again, please, please come talk to one of us. Remember, we, we offer free biblical counseling to anyone and everyone who is hurting and looking for help. Uh, and so we're thankful that you're here. And the Word of God has hope. Jesus has hope. Uh, there are answers. Uh, there is life abundant. Uh, so please, please <clears throat> take advantage of that. <clears throat> I believe that's it for announcements. Uh, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be here this morning. Uh, thankful to you for protecting us and watching over us over the last week. Your sustaining grace and mercy that has met our every need and then some. Our, our cups overflow uh, with just the work of your spirit and your truth and your word and, and the love of your people in our hearts and lives, Lord. We are just simply amazed at who you are. Lord, just amazed at the truth that you gave us your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. How then will you not give us all things? And Lord, you have given us all things that we need for life and godliness. You've given them to us through your word and, and through your spirit and through your people. And we just, we praise you for it and help each one of us here to, to take full advantage of those things. Uh, to humble ourselves before you uh, and to just pursue after you, to run after you with every fiber of strength, every fiber of our being. Uh, Lord, that we would be wholly and solely committed to you, that we, in light of your mercies and, and all that you have done for us, for your namesake and for your glory, Lord, that in view of all those things, we would offer ourselves up as living sacrifices. Lord, what else can we do in light of all that you've done so freely and so graciously for us? Lord, help us not to be conformed to this world. We know that the world is constantly trying to shape us and, and mold us and squeeze us into what, what it wants us to be and what it thinks we should be. Lord, help us not to be conformed to this world, but rather to be transformed by the renewing of our minds through your word, through the preaching of your word, through fellowship with one another. Lord, then we might know your will, your perfect and good will, Lord, that we, we want to keep and we want to do. Again, not because somehow we think it earns us brownie points with you or anything like that, Lord, but because you first loved us, because you are the first, the unmoved mover. You, you, you initiate all things and you pursued us in your grace and your love. And Lord, how else can we respond again but just wholly and solely offering ourselves up to you, blank check saying, do what you will through us for your namesake, for the good of your church, the good of your people. Lord, we know that there are so many, not just in our church body, but all around us who are hurting, who are struggling. 
Lord, we are not ignorant of this. Lord, help us to be a church family where people belong, where people are open and transparent and, and able to, to, to share what's going on in their hearts and lives and that we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, might carry one another's burdens. Lord, we're not meant to, to live this life alone, to walk this path alone. You've, you've given us this wonderful family, this body of believers, to, to love each other and to forgive each other and, and to be kind towards one another and to serve one another. And we, we praise you for that. Help us to just continue to grow in that area as a church family. And help us also to love this community you've placed us in. It's no accident that we're here. It's no accident the gifts and abilities you've given us. And Lord, you would have us to, to serve one another and to serve this community that they might know about your love and the hope that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we do pray for Jason and his family with this tragic loss. We thank you that you are the great shepherd. We pray that you would shepherd them through this, that they would know your hope, your peace, your life, that they would look to you during this time, that they would know your salvation. And we thank you, Lord, that even in things like this, you're that rock, you're that anchor for us, and how we have that in you. No matter the life situation, Lord, we always have hope, we always have strength because of who you are, and we praise you for that. And we do pray for the, the Hansen family with the funeral yesterday, for Carla's brother uh, Don, Lord, and just still grieving that loss. We, we pray for your continued hand of mercy and, and help and hope for them. We pray for our, our counseling ministry here at Orangeville Baptist Church, Lord. We thank you for, for the many who, by your grace, we've been able to come alongside and help. We thank you for those even now who are in counseling. Just please grant the counselors wisdom and discernment walking through, through these things, Lord. Sin just makes such a big mess out of things. And Lord, but we thank you how Jesus is able to take, to take even the consequences of sin and work them for our good and your glory, Lord. We, we praise you for that truth that we read in Genesis where it says, you intended this for evil, but God intended it for good. We thank you for that truth. We thank you for the word of God that has answers to every life situation and problem. Lord, we know there are many in our community who are hurting and looking for help. Lord, I just pray that word of the counseling ministry would get out uh, and that many would, would come here, Lord, that we would be flooded, inundated with people uh, looking for help and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we long for that. And Lord, you know our, our many brainstorming ideas we've been coming up with over the last few weeks. We thank you for that and the energy, the excitement that's there. Help us as a church to just guide us and direct us in, in the steps you would have us to, to do there. And Lord, we think of this upcoming Saturday with the, the celebration with Pastor Dan and Sharon. We thank you so much for them and their many, many years of faithful service here and how you, you were faithful to them throughout it. And Lord, just the many hearts and lives that they touched and that they pointed to Jesus Christ, we, we can't thank you enough for them. Thank you just for their servants' hearts and how they want to continue to serve here in the future, Lord. We, we thank you for that. We're excited about what you're doing in them and through them for your name's sake. And I just ask that this Saturday will be a rich, rich time of blessing and, and encouragement to them and to our whole church family. And now, Lord, as we open the Word of God, uh, we just pray that it would do a mighty work in our hearts. You would convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. That you would also just compel us, Lord, to, to, get, to get busy serving you because of how you have set us free. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you would, please turn with me to your copy of God's Word in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse Verses 13 and 14 and 15 we're going to look at this morning. We're taking just a, a quick break uh, from the Gospel of Luke, uh, which is very, very, very hard for me to do. I'm, I'm loving going through that book. 
loving how the Lord is working in my heart as, as we make our way through it, uh, and loving the conversations I'm having with, with, with you, my church family, and how the Lord's working in your heart through it. Uh, it's a great gospel. Uh, the Lord is always faithful to his word, and it's such a privilege, such a joy to, to stand up here and, and to deliver his word. But, but this morning, uh, just, just for today, we're kind of shifting, shifting subjects and, and talking about serving. In fact, we're calling this morning Serve Sunday. Serve Sunday. Uh, so hopefully by now you found Galatians chapter 5, and we're looking at verses 13 and 14 and 15. We'll, we'll mostly focus on verse 13, but we're going to read Galatians chapter 5, 13, 14, and 15. So God's word says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And this is the reading of God's good and perfect and holy word. All God's people say, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so serve Sunday. My aim this morning is to, is to encourage each one of us uh, to be serving one another in love. Because that's, that's what our text says in verse 13. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, what are we supposed to do? Serve one another. Now be honest. When you think of the word freedom, like it says in verse 13, you were called to freedom. Is the next word that comes to your mind... Serving. Be honest. <laughs> when you hear freedom, what typically comes to your mind is, is it not things like independence, autonomy, uh, living apart from dependence on the government, the power or right to do what I want to do, what? When I want to do it. Isn't that honestly, what typically comes to our minds when we hear the word freedom. But biblically, and, 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 and quite honestly, paradoxically, we are set free to what? To serve. Did you know that? If you are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've been set free through His atoning work by faith in Him, as we can, not because of the great pay, <laughs> not because it, it earns brownie points with God, but because of his great love towards us. He has set you free to serve. So we're just going to make our way through this text with three points. The first one is going to be liberty, uh, the basis of freedom. The second one will be license, the abuse of freedom. And the last one will be love, uh, the purpose of freedom. And if you have your bulletin, there should be some notes in there uh, with that outline there if you'd like to take notes and if that helps you follow along. Uh, so liberty, the basis of freedom. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Verse 13 says, You were called to freedom. What does he mean? What does scripture mean when it says we have been called to freedom? Does that mean we should all be anarchists? 
Does, does that mean that we are free from every kind of restraint and restriction? Not at all. What that means is we are free from sin. Free from sin. You see, unbelievers are not free. Unbelievers are very much bound to sin. They're slaves to sin. Unbelievers are free only in the sense that they are free to sin. That's, that's not much of a freedom. That's a very enslaving freedom. Unbelievers are not free. John chapter 8, verse 23, Jesus says, Truly, truly, and you know this, but I'll, I'll just say it again. Jesus is the truth in the flesh. He always speaks the truth. So when Jesus says, truly, truly, what's he doing? He's saying, man, pay attention. Lock on to this, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. Unbelievers are not free. They are bound to their sin. But Jesus came to set us free from our sin. Jesus frees us from sin. He busted us out of the jail of our sinful nature. He shattered the chains of sin. He bought our freedom with his shed blood on the cross. So for freedom, Christ has set us free. That means, that means by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are free from the guilt and shame of sin. Amen? We are free from the guilt and shame of sin. Because we have been forgiven by God. It also means we are free from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is death, right? The wages of sin is death. We've been set free from that penalty uh, because Christ died on the cross for us. It also means we are free from the power of sin. And we miss that quite often. Go read Romans chapter 6. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are free not to sin. You are able not to sin. Not that we'll ever achieve perfection, but we are able not to sin. We are free not to sin. Before Christ, we were free only to sin. But because of the work of Jesus Christ, we are now able not to sin. A truth that we often forget is when Jesus died on the cross, you died with him. He didn't just die for you, you died with him. You, if you were trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, you died 2,000 years ago. And when Christ rose from the dead, you rose from the dead with him. You rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. Because he acted on your behalf. He has set us free in a mighty, mighty way. This also means that one day we will be set free from the presence of sin. He's delivered us from the penalty, the power, and one day he will deliver us from the presence of sin. Currently, we struggle with sin. But when Christ returns, sin will be removed entirely, and we will be free from the presence of sin. And, and of course, when it says we are free, it means we are free from the law uh, and its demands, its many demands. It's, we're free from its authority, we're free from its condemnation. Just flip very quickly to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Um, there, uh, Scripture says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So Christ bore the curse of the law and ended his tyranny once and for all. So now by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are sons and daughters of liberty. We have peace with God. We have forgiveness from God. 
We have the joy of forgiveness, the joy of acceptance and access and adoption as sons and daughters. We have unlimited access to the throne of God 24-7 because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. That's freedom. That's amazing freedom. And all of this is true not because of something that you and I did. But what does our text say? You were called to freedom. That's sovereign grace. That's God taking his sovereign initiative and calling you who were bound to sin and sovereignly and graciously and lovingly calling you out that to, to himself. That's sovereign grace. Setting us free from the law and the power and the penalty of sin. Calling us into his grace. Calling us into his love. Calling us into his fellowship. And this, this is a very important message for the church at Galatia. Because we're, we're in Galatians. And he's writing to specific uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who lived a long time ago. Uh, it's very specific, a very important message for them. Because the, the brothers and sisters at, at Galatia are flirting with a false gospel. There are some, some troublemakers, some, some false teachers who have infiltrated the Galatian churches and, and they're whispering a false gospel in the ear of those at that church. And as a side note, brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to always be praying that God will protect our church from that. Because there is a lot of false teaching out there. Google's great, but Google's awful too. Like, like the internet... It's like every heresy that was defeated all through the history, it's found like a breeding ground. And anyone can go to it and, and get hooked, hook, line, and sinker, and it's scary. There's a lot of false teaching that's out there. Uh, and, and in the day of when Paul wrote this, these false teachers had infiltrated the church, and if it could happen there, it can happen here. Right? We must have our guard up. Know the Word of God and teach the Word of God, and be founded on the Word of God. But what is that false gospel that was infiltrating the, the church in Galatia? Well, it's pretty much this. They, they were saying, you know, Jesus, he's great. You believe in Jesus? That's good. We're glad. But you need a little something extra. You need, you need to follow the law. You need to put yourself back, back under the law of Moses. It's, it's Jesus plus the law. That's justification. If you do that, you'll be counted righteous before God on the last day. And according to these false teachers, the next big step in observing the law of Moses was they needed to be circumcised. And so Paul is going to use some very strong language uh, about that. Just pick it up in verse 2, Galatians 5, verse 2, where it says, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Listen to that language of verse 4. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. That's strong language. and It, it, it gets stronger. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. How? Through the Spirit, by faith. Faith in Christ alone. Verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for ever, anything, but only faith working through love. And you, you can hear his agony. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying this truth? 
This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump, but he's talking about false teaching. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed, and he gets stronger language yet. Verse 12, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Wow. <laughs> he doesn't hold anything back because they were teaching a false gospel. And the Galatian church was starting to get sucked into this. They're flirting with this idea of Jesus plus the law equals Christianity. And that word gets to Paul and he uses some of the strongest language he can, he can muster to say, no, 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 that is not the gospel. That is not the gospel. And for all four chapters so far in Galatians, he's, he's been arguing and arguing and arguing for Christ plus nothing, Jesus plus nothing. It is not Jesus plus the law. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. That, that, that's his argument strongly all throughout it. And he says, if, if anyone would, would dare to lead you astray and preach that it's Christ plus the law or, or Christ plus anything, then that's apostasy, that's heresy. And any time that you say something needs to be added to Christ in order for you to be a Christian, then what you are doing is you are diminishing the righteousness of Christ. Our faith is on the righteousness of Christ. And, and this is the danger of legalism. And legalism comes in lots of different forms. Uh, but legalism is the kind of thinking typically, the way it's, it's generally expressed. Again, it, it comes in lots of different ways, but the primary way of legalism is this kind of thinking that says, well, we're spiritual because we abide by some subjective list of rules of do's and don'ts. And that somehow, if, if we take the Word of God and and then add a bunch of do's and don'ts. And if, if, if we follow this and we follow those do's and don'ts, then somehow God is happy with you. He's pleased with you. Uh, and we, we begin to define Christianity by rules and regulations. And, and by the way, anytime you take the Word of God and set up rules and standards next to it, what have you done to the Word of God? You've totally undermined it. Sola Scriptura is the cry of the Reformers. That is the cry of this church. Scripture alone. Scripture alone. We often even do legalism with some good things. Sometimes we take good things like Bible reading and witnessing and prayer. Are those good things to do? I well, better believe it. Those are very, very important things to do, great things to do, it's things that the Scripture command us to do, yes? But we often fall into a danger with those things when we start setting up laws and rules like, hey, you know what? A good Christian reads three chapters a day. And a good Christian prays for at least 30 minutes a day. And a really good Christian shares the gospel with someone every day. That's legalism. Again, are those good things to do? Oh my goodness, yes. I hope that all of you are daily in God's Word and daily praying, and as much as you can, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. But I hope that none of you are doing it because you think it means somehow that pleases God or makes Him love you more because He can't love you any more than He does, and He can't love you any less than He does, and nothing's ever going to change that. 
And I hope that, that none of us are, are, are doing all that because we're trying to earn brownie points because we're trying to impress each other. But, but if you're reading God's Word and you're digging into it and you're praying and you're sharing your gospel, I, I hope that you're doing that because of your great love for God and His great love for you, not because you think it earns anything. Because when you fall into that trap of thinking that earns you something or you're keeping this checklist of do's and don'ts, that's legalism. And you know what legalism does to a church? We don't really have to guess. Just, just look at verse 15. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. You see what legalism does to a church? It leads to cannibalism. It, it, causes, it causes us to savagely attack each other and it sucks away Christian joy. And remember what I'd read in, in, earlier in, in Galatians 5, verse 7, where Paul says to the Galatian church, you were running well, you were doing so well, you had such a promising start, they were full of enthusiasm for Christ, but when legalism took hold, they started to devour each other and destroy each other. That's what legalism does, it devours, it destroys. Legalism will, will make the church the most toxic, people-destroying place you can ever imagine. And so I love the words in, in Galatians 5.1 and Galatians 5.13 where it says, For freedom Christ has set you free. And John 8.36 which says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The message of this pulpit, the message of the Word of God, the message of this church is Christ and Christ alone. It's the cross of Christ alone. Believe that and live free. Stand firm on Christ alone. Trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. Don't fall back into a yoke of slavery. Don't go back to the law. Don't trust in law keeping. Don't trust in your obedience or your church going or your Bible reading or your praying or your good works or your law keeping. Don't measure your spirituality by some, some subjective list of, of do's and don'ts. Trust in Jesus alone and what he did for you on the cross, because that's where freedom is. That's what Christ has called you to. So point number two, license. The abuse of freedom. And we've kind of already talked a little bit about the abuse of freedom. We're, we're prone to abuse our liberty in Christ in a couple different ways. One of them is legalism, like we just talked about, or you could say law. Another one, though, is license. License is the kind of thinking that, that says, well, because I'm free in Christ, then I'm free to do anything I want to do. That's license. So notice what our text says. Paul is very, very aware that we're prone to that. And so it says in Galatians 5.13, You were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Opportunity is a, it's a pretty cool word. It's actually a military word. You could translate a base of operations or beachhead or springboard. That, that, that's the idea there. Flesh, when it says, again, verse 13, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. That's, that can be a tricky word uh, to interpret and understand in Scripture. Uh, sometimes the word flesh means exactly what you would think it means. It means, you, it means the skin that's wrapped around your bones. Uh, sometimes it means that which is spiritual versus that which is not spiritual. Other times it means your sin nature. 
And if you have the New International Version in front of you, that's actually how they translated this verse. Uh, they translated, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the sinful nature. Uh, I, I think that they're right with that interpretation. In Galatians chapter 5 and 6, we find that word used eight times. And I believe every time that word is used in Galatians 5 through 6, it's referring to our fallen human nature, the center of human pride and selfishness. In fact, just look real quickly at verses uh, 19 through 21 of the same chapter, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, where it says, Now the works of the flesh, same word as verse 13, or you could say the works of the sinful nature are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensu sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the works of the flesh. So what scripture is saying in, in, in our verse, in verse 13, is it's saying that we are prone, every single one of us are prone, to use our freedom as a base of operations for sin. That's what it's saying. We're prone to interpret our liberty in Christ as a license to think we can do whatever we want, as an excuse for our lust or our anger or our bitterness or our violence or cheating. We believe lies like, go ahead, you deserve this. We, we love to have our flesh pampered. <laughs> our flesh is very selfish. You've earned it. That kind of thinking. There's a theological word for this, kind of a fun word to talk about and think about. It's the word antinomianism. That's the theological word for the day. <laughs> antinomianism. Try saying that ten times fast. Antinomianism. Uh, it's, it's actually a compound word. Anti means no or not. And nomianism comes from the Greek word namas, which means law. So, no law. That's all anti. It's, it's a big word for very simple meaning, huh? Why is that often the case? Like, like the word purposefuity. You know what that means? Clear. <laughs> you have in Christ. Liberty in Christ is not a free pass to sin. And Paul deals with this in Romans. In Romans chapter 5, Paul teaches that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And we love that, right? Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. If we can put that in, in today's language, it would, it would go something like this. It doesn't matter how far-reaching your sin is. It doesn't matter how vast your sin is. It doesn't matter the degree to which you sin or the frequency of which you sin or the heinousness of your sin, that no matter the height or depth or breadth of your sin, God's grace is greater and your sin can be forgiven. And we amen that. We love that. That's the gospel, yes? But what antinomianism does or the abuse of freedom does, liberty, license, says, well, that I'm just going to keep on sinning. 
Because if God is that gracious and that kind, if His grace abounds where my sin increases, then I'll keep on sinning and you know what? God will get the glory because He'll keep on forgiving. That's a pretty twisted thing. <laughs> Remember how Paul responds to that in Romans chapter 6? He uses these words of horror and shock and outrage. May it never be, is what he writes in Romans 6 verse 1. By no means. And, and then he goes on to say, how can we who died to sin still live in it? The thought that God's grace is a license to sin as you please is wicked and should be met with horror and outrage. Jesus suffered and bled and died for sin. How then are you going to keep on carelessly sinning? Freedom is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. In fact, you know what, what biblical freedom actually does with sin. What biblical freedom does to sin is it wages war against it. Look at, look at verse 24. In Galatians 5, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have done what? They have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's what biblical freedom does. It's not a, a, a pass to sin as you please. It's waging war. It's crucifying sin. It's fighting the good fight against sin. It doesn't cater to it. It kills it. Like John Owen, the, the Puritan preacher of old, would always say, be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. That's quite the thought, isn't it? Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Well, the third point then, Love, the purpose of freedom, where all of this is driving, all of this is aiming. Love, the purpose of freedom. What are we supposed to do with our freedom? What, what does our verse say? We're not supposed to use it for self. We're supposed to use it to, through love, serve one another. And when you do this, verse 14 says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So how is the law fulfilled? The law is fulfilled not through legalism and not through license. It's fulfilled through love, by lovingly serving one another. Quite a few years ago, I, I had the privilege of hearing who I think is one of the, the great Bible teachers of the last generation, if not the greatest Bible teacher of the last generation. And he's not very well known, but you can Google him. His name is S. Lewis Johnson. Uh, don't Google him right now, but definitely write his name down and check him out. I saw a couple of you go for your phones. Just joking. S. S. Lewis Johnson. And he talks about that there are three kinds of dogs. Now bear with me with this illustration. I think it's really good. But there are three kinds of dogs. And I know there are way more than three kinds of dogs. But here's, here's the illustration. There are dogs that have law, but no liberty. These are the dogs that come out on their master's chains. Right? Everywhere they go, they have a leash. They want to run, <laughs> they want to be free, and sometimes they're big enough, strong enough that they pull you with them, right? Uh, but they want to run, they want to be free, they want to smell everything, they want to sniff everything, and they want to pee on everything, right? That, that's what dogs do. And, and honestly, yesterday at Orangeville Day, we saw a lot of those dogs. <laughs> there were a lot of those dogs who had law, but no liberty. Then there's the kind of dog that has liberty, but no law. Those are the dogs who run all over the neighborhood and run amok, and quite honestly, those are the dogs that end up getting hit, right? 
dogs who have law are liberty but no law they cause havoc to the neighborhood and that was a that was a big deal up in the up in newberry because a year after i got there they shut down the dog pound so there were dogs i mean you were caught val and i and, and the kids sometimes we had to pick like a specific route to take walking you know because there are some pretty crazy dogs out there uh so that's that's that kind of dog that's liberty but no law then there's a dog that loves its master. And this dog goes for a walk with his master, but without no leash. This dog is able to play outside with his master and run after a ball and come back to his master. This dog is always under his master's control because he is controlled by true liberty, which is to say he has a love for his master and the love for his master dominates him. That dog is safe, and that dog is very happy. That dog is truly free. August, when you first hear it, kind of hits you sideways, and you're like, what? That doesn't quite sound right. Love, love God and do what you please. Pastor Andrew, you just said we're not allowed to do whatever we please. That, that, that's an abuse of, of liberty, right? We've got to catch that first part, right? Love God and do as you please. What's that mean? That, that, that means if love for God and love of God is that which controls you, you can do whatever you please because it's going to please Him. It's going to be done out of love for Him. It's going to be like that dog that we, we just talked about. It's, it's similar to the verse in Psalm 37, verse 4, which says, Delight yourselves in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. That's quite the verse, isn't it? If you delight in God, what kind of desires are you going to have? His desires, right? That, that's the idea with that verse. Delight yourselves in the Lord and He will give you the desires of, of, of your heart. You're going to have desires that please and honor Him. And I share all that to say, to tie it in the Galatians 5.13, that Christianity is not about following a bunch of rules. And it's not about throwing off all rules. It's about love. We serve because we can. We've been set free to serve. Christianity is not about rules and regulations. It's about a relationship with Jesus who has loved us before we first loved him. We serve because we are walking in the footsteps of the perfect servant Jesus Christ. And you need to know that that word serve in Galatians 5.13 is quite frankly not strong enough. It's the Greek word doulos, which means slave. I know that's a very charged term in our culture. But I think it's important to point out because it points to the type of lifestyle to which we have been set free to live. We are not just to do a few nice things for people whenever it's convenient. We are slaves. Did you know that this morning? Everyone's a slave. Either you're a slave to sin or you're a slave to God. One leads to death, the other one leads to life. That should be an easy choice. <laughs> Everyone here this morning is a slave. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ, you are a slave to each other. I am your slave. And you guys are my slaves. <laughs> that can really come off bad, can it? <laughs> but we're slaves of one another. Do you think of each other that way? Do you think of yourself that way? Man, that's, that's, that's quite the verse, isn't it? 
It's quite the thought. You've been set free to be a slave, not of the law, but to serve one another. Why? Again, not to earn salvation, not to earn brownie points, not because of the great pay. We do this because Jesus did it for us. Turn, turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. I want you to understand this has to be really deep in your heart that this is why we are slaves. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, where it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, Dulas, slave. It's the same word, slave. So I'm going to read that verse this way. But emptied himself by taking the form of a slave. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So, so if you're here this morning, you're like, this is crazy talk. I'm, I'm the slave of no one. And if you're saying that, especially as a, as a Christian, because that doesn't surprise me that a non-Christian would say that. And I hope God opens your eyes to the slave that you have, to his slavery you are, and to his sin. But as for a Christian to object or, or to be horrified by this idea that we're, we're slaves of one another, then you need to rethink the gospel. Because Jesus was free to do whatever he wanted to do, but he never used his freedom as an opportunity to serve the flesh. He used his freedom to serve us. In love. So love shows up by how we serve each other. You're never more like Jesus than when you serve. God designed you to find life by lovingly giving yourself to others. You have been saved to serve. You've been set free to serve. This is amazing truth, yes? And I, and I want to say that the Lord is, is, has done and is doing some great things here for His namesake and our church body, and we, we rejoice in the many ways we see Him moving and working in lives individually and, and, and corporately. But there is an area, if we're being honest, where we need to grow, and it's exactly here. Serving. And many among us are serving and doing so actively and consistently, and we are unbelievably thankful for you. But some of us need to be reminded, and I say this with all the love in the world, and I hope you know that I love you. But some of us need to be reminded that being a seat warmer is not a spiritual gift. It is not a spiritual gift. And maybe some of us are thinking, well, I'm not serving, but I have my reasons. I, I'm, I'm sure that you do. I've heard a lot of them before. In fact, as I was thinking through this through the week, I thought of a few ways that we tend to have our reasons for not serving. And uh, here's some of them I thought of. One of them is, we'll say something like, I used to serve in, and fill in the blank, Sunday school or children's church or, 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 or whatever it is. I used to serve, fill in the blank. And then we say this phrase, I've done my time. <laughs> Can I say something? <clears throat> we probably should not refer to serving in the church with the same verbiage that is used for prison time. Right? I've done my time. No. <laughs> no. 
That, that, that doesn't line up with the spirit of the text either. You're free. Free to serve. It's not doing time. Free to serve. Or sometimes we'll say, I'm too busy. I get that. I get busyness. So my plate is full. I have lots of things going on in life. And the question I think we all need to wrestle with is this. Is your life full of things that you need? Is God maybe calling you to take a fresh look at the life you're living and how maybe you need to adjust? Is, is God calling you to rearrange your plate? I don't doubt for a second that your plate is full. Every single one of us here would say, my plate is full. What I would ask you is, is what is it full of? How can you rearrange things? Maybe you need to pitch some things. Sometimes people can't serve because they're too busy doing things that won't matter in eternity. And I know that's an ouch. It's okay to say ouch instead of amen. But reality is that sometimes people can't serve because they're too busy doing things that won't matter in eternity. There's a quote that I read shortly after I got saved when I was 17 that stuck with me my whole life. And I think about it fairly often. And it's a quote that says, My greatest fear in life is not that I will be unsuccessful. My greatest fear in life is that I will be successful at that which doesn't matter. Man, that one rocks me. I don't want to be successful at that which doesn't matter. So I'm too busy. And maybe you just need to think, what are you busy with? Or maybe you say, my primary ministry is to my family. And yes and amen. Your family comes first. But I just want to say, as I recently heard someone say it this way, primary isn't synonymous with solitary. Your family is not your only ministry. God calls you to use your freedom to serve the church family in love. And I know the wrestles, I know the tensions. Val and I have a couple of younger kids. What that means for Val and I is when we think about serving, we need to consider the season of life that we're in and, and, and serve appropriately. But it's never a matter of if we will serve. We will always serve. Not just our family, but the church. And we make adjustments based on the season of life God has us in. Yes, to our family, but yes, also to our church family. And it's difficult, it's hard, I know. But you've been set free in this way. Or maybe you're saying, I don't know what my gifts are. And isn't it interesting that the New Testament never, ever, ever, ever gives us like this method to follow to discover what your gifts are? It, ne it never says like, hey, take this test. This will let you know what your gift is. And I'm not trying to bash those, those gifts. You can Google those two and find a ton of those. There's value there. But honestly, you want, you want to find out what your gift is. Start serving. <laughs> Just start serving. Get involved. Roll your sleeves up and dig in. Or maybe, maybe you think to yourself, you know, there's not much I can do. Maybe you've been told your whole life that you're ugly or weak or stupid or worthless. That's not how God sees you. He set you free to serve Him. And He's called you to be a slave to Himself and to others. He's designed you to serve. And He provides the strength that you need to do what He's called you to do. That's the rest of Galatians 5. If you were to read through the rest of Galatians 5, what Galatians 5 talks about is how He's given us the Spirit of God to empower us to do works of service. And what that means is 
because I'm sure there's other excuses that are in your mind right now. What you need to do with that, with that, with that thought that's in your mind, why, why you can't serve, whatever, whatever that is, uh, you need to, to, to look through the rest of Galatians 5 and line it up to the Spirit of God. Right? Because whatever excuse you have or thought you have in your life about why you can't serve at this moment, the Spirit of God is saying, oh, yes, you can. Because He is with you, He is indwelling you, He is empowering you for works of service. The Holy Spirit destroys every excuse in the book. So every church typically has three different kinds of people in it, as we could just kind of wrap things up here. Three different kinds of people in it. And if you were in my membership class just a little bit a while ago, you, hopefully you'll remember this. But there's three kinds of people in the church, a consumer, a critic, or a contributor. A consumer is a person who does not contribute regularly, either financially or by serving. A consumer avoids deep relationships. A consumer treats the church like a shopping mall where church is all about me and what I want. Consumers. There's a lot of those. A critic. A critic is someone who picks everything apart about the church. Well, I don't like the preacher. I don't blame you on that one. <laughs> I, I don't like the color of the carpet. I don't like the music. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. I don't, I don't, I don't. And the key theme in through all that is I, 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 I. Critics are so full of themselves. We don't want consumers. We don't want critics. We want contributors. A contributor knows that Orangeville Baptist Church is not perfect, but seeks to understand that the church is family, and therefore it's messy, but we stick together, and we contribute, and I'm set free to serve. So which one are you? Are you a critic, a consumer, or a contributor? And in light of Galatians 5.13, we should all be that last one. We should all be contributing. We should all be using our freedom, not for ourselves, not to critique, but to contribute. And can you just dream with me for a second at what would happen at Orangeville Baptist Church if every single one of us took up this mantle and served in this fashion and understood this truth? I am free to be a slave, to serve one another. What would happen to our church? The issue of 10% doing 90% of the work would go away. There's, there's that old illustration by Howard Hendricks uh, who died a few years ago. He's a, he was a prof at Dallas Theological Seminary, very, very influential with discipleship material. But he once described the local church as a football game, saying, quote, uh, the church is like 22 people on the field, badly in need of arrest, and 40,000 in the stands, badly in need of exercise. <laughs> we laugh, but there's a lot of truth there, isn't there? In view of our freedom in Christ, that illustration should never be the case, ever. Ever, ever, ever. The church is not designed to be the place where a few people do everything. So here is my challenge. My challenge is for every single person here to serve in some form or fashion in this church for one hour every week. That's my challenge. And honestly, that's not very slave-like, is it? Some of you maybe can do 10 hours. Some of you already are doing 10 hours. <laughs> maybe some of you can do more than that. But my challenge is, let's start here, for every single one of us to think about how can I serve the family of Orangeville Baptist Church for an hour a week? That's four hours a month. You're set free to do that by the love of Christ.
What would happen if our church of roughly, I don't know, 120, 130 believers or so attended with a purpose to serve? It's, it's easy to come and get. It's easy to sit and hear and leave quickly. But what if each one of us had the purpose to be slaves of one another in love? After all, that's why Jesus set you free. So in your bulletin, on the sermon notes, on the flip side, you'll find action steps. And if, if you didn't get a bulletin when you came in, you need one of these, uh, let me know, we'll photocopy more of them. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm just going to explain to you a typo. It's not even a typo. What I did was I, f- I found these at a different church called Grace Fellowship Church where Pastor Brad Bigney is a pastor. Some of you know him. And he had these questions, so I copied and pasted. And later I looked at it, and so it says some of the questions reference their church. <laughs> uh, so just substitute our church. I don't want you to go to Grace Fellowship Church. I want you to stay here and, and, and serve here. But So see, these are some action steps. Uh, number one, what I'm asking all of us to do is, is we do an audit on how we're doing with serving one another. And there's some questions there. Number one, which of the following statements best describe your current status when it comes to serving the church and being served by the church? And there's a few options there. Number two, are there adjustments God is calling you to make in your life in order to live as a reasonable Christian and sacrificially serve one another? Number three, review the list of service opportunities at our church and the church skills and interest survey. How will you make serving the Lord and his people at church a consistent part of your spiritual life? Now what that's referencing is the other part in your bulletin, if you want to pull that out, which says on the top, every member ministry. Every member ministry. And I'm asking that everyone in this church fills this out. And what this is, is it's a church skills and interest survey. It's basically asking you, what do you like to do? What are ways you see yourself serving in this church? And please fill that out and return that to me or Josiah or Gina. But we're going to come hunt you down. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Maybe we should. Uh, but but every, every member ministry... So, so the action steps are, number one, do an audit on your own life with serving. Number two, fill this out. And this should get you thinking about, because maybe you heard my challenge about, man, an hour, I don't know what I could do. That's what this is. That's what this is. This, this, should, this should fill 40 hours uh, if, 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 we, if we think about that and do that. Uh, so fill that out. Number three, what we're asking that you do is schedule a time for coffee. Not coffee with me, but the other guys, they like coffee. I don't like coffee. Uh, bring a diet a caffeine-free diet something, and I'll drink it with you. Uh, But schedule a time for that with your deacon, your growth group leader. By the way, if you're looking for a way to serve, join a growth group. Lots of opportunities to serve in a growth group. Uh, But schedule time with your deacon, your growth group leader, myself, Josiah, and let's get together and talk about, after you've done all this, what are ways that you can be serving in the church. Number four, quit talking about serving and get busy serving. And number five, thank the people who are serving. That goes a long way. And I've said this a few weeks now, but I just want to say it again. There is not a person here who is in danger of getting too much encouragement. <clears throat> right? We can all use encouragement. So if you see someone who's serving, give them a hug. Give them a smile. We love you. We thank you so much. for. What, and as I say that, give them a hug if they're comfortable with getting a hug. Uh, but you know what I mean. Love one another. Serve one another. Give thanks to one another. And we do this because we, we love the Lord. And, and I'm going to... I'm going to call a, an audit on the praise team. Can we, can we end by doing that song, Build Your Kingdom Here? Where, where are you, Dave? There you are. Is that going to kill you to do that? I think if we end on that, Build, build Your Kingdom Here, uh, that's just a powerful, powerful song about how we are saved to serve.
how God is building his kingdom. And by the way, that's part of our discipleship pathway, believe, belong, become, build. He is building his kingdom, and he is doing that through us as we serve. Uh, Dave said before, he can do that without us. We don't want that to happen. We want to be humble, willing servants or slaves in his hand. Uh, so build your kingdom here. Just cry out to God uh, to move in a mighty way, to start with your church, and let's build your kingdom for your glory here and through Orangeville, through Michigan, and through the world. Amen? Amen. Amen.